I'm going to back up into chapter 2 just so we can lead into chapter 3. And uh, we're going to start verse number 15 of chapter 2, read down into the uh, chapter 3 and down through almost, uh, I guess about verse number 6 or so, eight, verse number 8, somewhere in that range. Paul says this, Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Well, we could stop there and just preach on that tonight, and that'd be a message, wouldn't it? Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting, here's an interesting word, consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Oh, that we would learn that in these last days. I've had a lot of folks, uh, not just these uh, three Christians that I mentioned earlier, but uh, a number of people in the last probably three to four weeks now that are anxious and uh, they're in need of their hearts to be calmed and comforted. And I'm thankful that this calming, this comforting comes by God establishing our hearts in the truth of His Word. And the more we learn this book, the more we, we ground ourselves in it and root ourselves in it, the less we're moved by the things of this world. And uh, the songwriter wrote it this way, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And so we find here as he's uh, kind of exhorting these folks, as the, he's summing up his letter, he's getting to the end of uh, the things that he's saying, he's telling them to be steadfast. Uh, he's telling them to be, comfort their hearts and to be established in every good word and work. And then he says this in verse number, uh, chapter number 3, verse number 1. He says, finally, after he's done all of those things, he says, finally, brethren, pray for us. Now here's what he's asking them to pray for him for. And I would say this, that this ought be our desire. It's the Apostle Paul's desire. This ought to be our desire in our lives, that we could fulfill these things, that that people would even be encouraging us and praying for us in these things. And so Paul is making a request of these folks. He's saying, I want you to pray for us, and he's going to pray for three things. I want us to look at those very quickly. He says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. Boy, that's an interesting phrase. That the word of the Lord may have free course. The idea of being unhindered, um, unfettered, easily understood, easily absorbed, easily applied. To be able to go forth in power as it's preached. To not have any restriction that is put on them. And so he's asking them to pray that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that ye may be delivered that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. So three things Paul asks. He said, I want you to pray that the word of God will have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. And then as we read the next several verses, verses 4, 5, and 6, 
It's interesting the way that God in His perfection has written Scripture that I believe that Paul kind of reiterates these three points without saying them over again. And he, he deals with things that I think help us to understand how the Word of God can have free course, how the Word of God can be glorified, and how we can be delivered from uh, these unreasonable and wicked men. So let's look in verse number 3. The Bible says this, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from what? From evil. Somebody said it this way uh, one years ago, and I heard this when I was a young man. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. If the first part of his prayer is that the Word of God may have free course, that it can go forth unhindered, then we have to look at the fact that there are things that will hinder this book from being able to go out and do its work. Oftentimes, and many times, it has to do with us. Not the hearer, but the speaker. Oftentimes, it has to do with the fact that we're not living the way that we should. Over and over again, in fact, in Deuteronomy chapter number 6, when it talks about uh, fathers... Uh, bringing up their children and teaching their children uh, when they rise up, when they sit down, and all of these things. And he goes through that whole list of things. He tells them in, in Deuteronomy chapter number 6 that, that they have to be able to have it in their lives first. That the things that they're going to teach from the Word of God, they need to have those in their life. They need to have them uh, grounded in their own hearts. And when he deals with this in verse number four, or verse number 1, he says that the Word of God may have free course... And then in verse number 3, he says, But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you. Well, how is he going to establish us? He's going to establish us in his word. And, notice what he says here, keep you from what? Evil. There's something that's understood here, and that's this, that when we are not established in his word, that oftentimes it lends itself to evil in our hearts. When we have sin in our lives, we have evil in our lives, darkness in our lives, there are two things that happen. We quench the Holy Spirit and we grieve the Holy Spirit, both of which will hinder the going forth of the Word of God. We've been given a wonderful privilege. In fact, when he was getting ready to ascend, the Lord Jesus met with his disciples and he told them, of course, the wonderful commission that we, we oftentimes refer to and talk about of going out into all this world. And he talks about preaching the gospel. And he, preaches, he tells them about teaching them to observe all things. And he says, Lo, I am with you always. But he tells them after he gives them this charge, this exhortation, if you will, he tells them, uh, But go to Jerusalem, or the Terry in Jerusalem is the way he words it, until you be endued with power from on high. Of course, that power came the day of Pentecost, where they began to preach and people were moved with conviction. Not because these men were great orators. Most of them were fishermen. They didn't have a good vocabulary. The, the, the power that these apostles had in preaching, and especially Peter, <clears throat> was the unction or the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon him. And, and when the Word of God was preached, the Holy Spirit was able and capable of going in and stirring the hearts of men, and the apostles were not the ones that were hindering the, that work. In fact, it's interesting that uh, later on they uh, appoint deacons, 
And one of them was a man by the name of Stephen. And Stephen, the Bible says, being filled with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, he stands up and he begins to preach. And as he preaches, the people are pricked in their hearts. And it convicts them so much that the Bible says that they stopped their ears. They, they, put, they put their fingers in their ears. They didn't want to hear it. And they, they ran upon him, and they ended up stoning him because they could not stand what, what was being preached and the, the burden and the conviction that it brought to their hearts. Can I tell you that that is the Word of God having free course. It's unfettered. It's moving with power. It's able to, to do the effectual work that, it is, that God so longs for it to do. But there comes a point where we can be the hindrance to it. And so when Paul is speaking here to these folks, and he, he's, he's already exhorted them and told them, you be steadfast and comfort one another and exhort one another that you do these good works and these good words. And he says, finally, pray for us that the Word of God may have free course. Can I tell you, that ought to be the desire of every single one of us. That there would be the, the working of God in our lives in such a way that there would be nothing that we would be the result that would result in the word of God being hindered to go forth in power. That we would have the fullness of the Holy Spirit's working in us, unhindered, unfettered, and as Paul said it, for him to have free course. That this word of God can have free course. And in verse number four. Or verse number 3, he says, But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. You say, well, how am I going to do this? How am I going to live in such a way that the Word of God can have free course? We need to pray and ask the Lord to establish us in the truth of His Word and to keep us from evil. The more our lives are spotted by the world, the more that we live and entertain our hearts and our flesh nature according to the world, the less powerful the working of the Word of God is in the hearts of people that hear this truth from these lips. Not because the Word of God is powerless, but because I have hindered it with my life. So Paul says, pray for us. He expresses this in verse 3 about the idea of being kept from evil. And then in verse number 4 he says, and the second thing that he had asked prayer for was that this word of the, of the Lord may be glorified. Not only that it can have free course, but that it can be glorified. Men will look at it and laud over it and want it and, and be like, wow, that's amazing. The word of God is, is, is something that's a wonderful thing. You and I as God's people, we come to church at night and we'll sing songs or we'll uh, be given testimony. And we'll say, boy, I'm so thankful, not only for my salvation, but I'm thankful for a word of God that I can hold in my hands. And we glorify that word. But notice what he deals with here in verse number 5. He says, and the Lord direct your what? Hearts. I'm sorry, verse number 4. Excuse me, I've got ahead of myself. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both what? Do and will do the things which we command you. How is the word of the Lord glorified? Is it glorified for us taking it into our house 
And in our prayer closets, we open it up and we read it. And then when we're done, we close it. And as the book of James says, we go out and straightway forget what manner of men we are. Is that how the Word of God is glorified? No, no, no. How is the Word of God glorified? It is glorified by us living the truth that we read in it. Men can see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Not because we're anything, but the truth of this book is a transforming truth. And as we live according to it, men can see it and say, Boy, what an amazing truth that is of God's Word. And so in verse number 3, he says, The Lord is faithful who shall, here it is again, establish you and keep you from evil. And we have this confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. This is how the Word of God will be glorified. Not just in reading the Bible, not just in knowing the Bible, but in living the Bible. We're living in a day where a lot of Christians know a lot of Scripture. I'll go so far as to say this. There are a lot of non-Christians that know a lot of Bible. But it is not glorified. Sad to say, as we look at our own lives, if we take time and we say, Lord, how am I measuring up to what this book has told me I need to measure up to. The truth of the matter is we, every one of us, fall short of it. That being said, there is always the need for us to be praying, Lord, help my life, the things that I'm doing, and the things that I will do. Help it to glorify Your Word. Help it to glorify Your Word. I don't want to ever be known as the cause for a reproach to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would hope that no Christian ever was just calloused and and didn't care that their life may be a reproach to the cause of Christ or to this book. It ought to be the desire of every single one of us. Lord, I want to glorify You. I want to be able to glorify this book and this Word that You've given to us. And the only way I know to do it is to live it. And then I want you to notice in verse number 4. I'm sorry, verse number 5. The third thing he asked prayer for, he said, I'm praying that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. And then he said, even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not the faith. Now, in verse number 5, he says this, The Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the what? The patient waiting for Christ. Why do we have to be patient? Well, some people could say, well, that just means that God is taking His time to get here. But the Bible also teaches us that we have to be patient in tribulation. Unreasonable and ignorant men, wicked men will persecute you and I as Christians. And this side of heaven, we are to be patient in that. We're to endure that. And notice what it says here, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not the faith. I was talking to my son the other day, and uh, a person, uh, we turned out here off of Frontier Road onto A Highway, and there was a person, we we went down to this end of A Highway, there was a person probably just coming over the hill at this end of A Highway in a pickup truck. 
and I pulled out, and I, I mean, I, I drive, some of you that have ridden with me, you know I drive like a grandpa probably. I, I mean, I don't get on it. I don't just stomp on the, on the gas and get up to speed right away. I do a nice, good, smooth acceleration up to, up to the speed limit. And literally, this guy, it, it wasn't like I had cut him off. He was way, way back here. And had to have probably been going way over the speed limit and, and maybe even accelerated when he saw me because he didn't like the fact that somebody had turned on the road in front of me. And he came right up on our tail. And, I mean, he just was right right in that bumper. So I set the cruise control on 60, 60 miles an hour. That's what the speed limit is out there. And when we get down here into the city where, the, where he could get out and around us where it goes to four lanes, as he went around us, he's laid on his horn, and I didn't look over at him. But Jonathan uh, said he would... He, did a gesture towards us that wasn't a, a real good thing. And uh, I, I, so I had a, a teaching moment with my son. I said, you know, that fella is, is going to be consumed for the next however long in his mind and angry. His, his spirit is going to be unsettled over the fact that he felt like somebody did him wrong on the road, road rage. And that's going to annoy him. He's going to be thinking about it. We're going to go about our day. We're not even going to give a thought about it. We're, we're getting ready to go to breakfast, and we're going to go eat something, and I'm probably not going to think a thing about it, other than the fact that I was using it to teach my son something. And I say all that to say this. There, there oftentimes will be tribulation and persecution that will come from unreasonable and wicked men in our lives. May God deliver us from being consumed with that. That we can learn to go on with our lives and to be steadfast and to be unmovable. In verse number 5, he says, The Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how we ought to follow, uh, how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. And here again we see Paul's desire is to bring glory to the Word of God, the truth of His Word. That they can be an example. He says, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that ye with quiet that with quietness they work and eat their own bread, but ye, brethren, be not weary in well doing. There's going to be some brethren even, maybe not even unsaved people, that are going to be disorderly. They're going to be unreasonable. What's our response? Be not weary in well-doing. Three things that Paul asks them to pray for him about. His desire. I want the Word of God to have free course. I don't want to be the cause of hindering the power and the work of the Holy Spirit of God through His Word. Number two, I want the Word of God to be glorified. I want to do, not just today, but even in the future. Not only do, but will do. 
the truth that I was taught from this book so that I can bring glory to it. Number three, I am not going to be under the power of these men that are unreasonable and wicked. Lord, deliver me from those. May I set my focus on You and not be sidetracked by these these people. I, as I was reading this, I went to the book of uh, Nehemiah. Uh, in fact, let's just take a minute and turn over there, if you don't mind. We'll, we've got enough time to do it. Let's just let's just read the passage. I'm rather than tell you about it. We'll let the Bible speak for it. All right. Nehemiah chapter number six, I believe it is. <clears throat> yep. Nehemiah chapter six, verse number one. Nehemiah is building the wall of Jerusalem. They've built the gates. They're sitting the, setting the doors on the gates. In chapter number 6, the Bible says, Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the, Arab, uh, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, and boy, we can learn from this, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Pray that the Lord will deliver us from unreasonable and wicked men. That we would not be sidetracked, that we would not be deterred by them. Verse number, chapter number 7, verse number 1, I want you to see again. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, verse number 8, excuse me, of chapter 6. Or, or, yeah, nope, sorry, verse number 15, chapter 6, there we go. I was reading through here today and just I didn't have this marked on my notes. So, verse 15, chapter 6, we're going to see again another issue. So the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month of Elu in 52 days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our what? God. Lord, deliver me from unreasonable and wicked men. May I keep my hand to the plow. May I keep on not being weary and well-doing. So that one of these days they'll realize... That was God's work. That was God's work. He says, brethren, pray for us. That the Word of God may have free course and be glorified. 